hey, Merlin, did you get that piece of stringy beef out of your teeth? I surely did, John. Much like my it's a stringy little disappointing beef sliver. I used a paper clip, which I don't feel great about. No, that's not good at all. That's not an approved dental tool. Well, I told tool. you I usually have my dental tool. How did you get the stringy beef between your teeth? <laughs> well, I'm from Ohio. It's just kind of so you come the stringy beef. Just... <laughs> well, you know, what's, the, what's that horrible phrase we used to use? You got a, what, you got a smile like a rusty gate or something like that? It's or a song lyric? I don't know. know. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to imply that uh, I have big spaces mm. between my teeth. Is that good or bad? I forget. Oh, I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I have something to talk mm-hmm. about on the show. Um, I thought of you this morning because um, I woke up and I had two songs in my head because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. always right. two songs with me. Um, the one you should know about is I woke up thinking I had a song in my head and I found myself wondering, I wonder if my favorite U2 song might be, I think it's the song, yeah, a sort of homecoming. And you know it's time to go, right? Mm-hmm. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But um, I really like that song a lot. I like. I think it might be you two, if not at its best, at its most interesting to me. You know what I mean? Unforgettable Fire is uh, my emotional favorite U2 album, although it is certainly not their best, but it's my emotional favorite album because it is just super weird. I'm right there with you. I'm right. It is so weird. Um, and it's, uh, it's very sort of very nostalgic about it. Um, I mean, I think I was funny cause I was saying this to my kid this morning when she walked in and I was like, how about the haircut on this guy? Excuse me. As Josiah Bear would have said in the nineties, how about the haircuts? Josiah Bear would say the problem, you know, what his problem is he's got two haircuts, mm-hmm. he's got two different haircuts. Cause I, of course I, I, I queued it up and was listening to, uh, I couldn't find, if there is a studio version with the video, I couldn't find it. I was listening to a live version from i think wide awake in america yeah there's a i think there is a video for the album version but i think it's just you know randomly chopped together footage from the, like the slain castle recordings it's like the same set of footage yeah. they used for everything promotion every bit of promotional material for that album right P- pride in the name of love is the one i most associate with the castle i feel like but <clears throat> anyway i was it's a really so it's such a good song the drumming is so good on that song and um, it doesn't suffer. It's the word I want to use, and I might be using this wrong. It's almost pastoral, like you know, like one of those XTC albums from the '80s. There's something that's very, it's it's just gentle, and uh, I don't know. I just think musically, it's really good. And Larry, man, such a good drummer. Um, but I was watching that. I just want to tell you, I thought of you. Now I don't know if that's their best song, but oh yeah. So anyway, the point being, I had just seen, and then I watched. Um, it uh, YouTube then took me to Bad perform mm-hmm. at Live Aid, and I said to my kid, "I can tell you with great specificity that I was flipping burgers at McDonald's when this was <laughs> happening," um, which was a great feeling. But I had just seen them. I want to say in May, <clears throat> so two months, something like two months earlier. Like <laughs> that's really quite a quite a quite a thing. Uh, in May, I had gone with this the the girl I was so in love with, the girl I had a crush on since tenth grade. Oh, I loved her so much. Um, well, I was infatuated with her. I don't mm-hmm. know what well, you know. I want to know what love is. You know, as a foreigner, asked the musical question. <laughs> I wanted to show you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> and um, so that had been a fun two months to where I was working on the grill. I was working at the grill. You know, working on the grill at McDonald's has a real different valence to it when you're in high school and are, are, as we used to say, seeing 
like the coolest, one of the coolest girls in the whole school versus when she's getting ready to go off to college and, and uh, you, you, you can't, uh, you can't watch Led Zeppelin cause you're working. You know what I mean? Judge the bitter mm-hmm. by the sweet. That's what they say. But uh, I I have such an emotional relationship with that record because it's the one that came out when I was a senior. That's the tour that I saw them on. Um, and I think it's a good record. It's a you're right though. It is a weird record. It was like a, I think it was it was the first Eno contact. Was it not? To my knowledge, and you can really tell because on what might be the title track. With the the orchestra stab, uh, the album "Beautiful Out of Fire." Yeah, it's the track on the album. Is that is that the is that the? I'm trying to remember how the lyrics go, but it does have that part, that little bridge. Ice, your only rivers run cold. These city lights, they shine silver and gold. Dug from the night, your eyes as black oh, as cold. Yeah, this is all from memory. Oh yeah, you should do yeah. a lyric site. That's you're good at this. Um, but um, but that stuff like that is kind of weird. Now, bad, bad is on there, right? Yeah. And you get Martin Luther King in America on there? Maybe? Oh, uh, let me see. Now, now it's I think so. I'm I'm pretty sure. Don't what it's called? Martin Luther King in America? Yeah, it was MLK. MLK in America. Um what's where where's America come in? Yeah, I love when you go to the track list for old albums. It's side one, side two. Kids must be saying, What are they talking about? Yeah. Well it's what important. It's very important. Um but then it would be like, and I was saying to Matt, because Matt walked in, she's like, what are you watching? I was like, I'm looking at Bono's numerous haircuts and his weird leather pants. And the edge is always doing the strangest things with his hair. And, you know, Adam, you know, well, he had some hair emergencies throughout most, most of the early 80s. But um, I was like, yeah, it's really weird. It's so strange how, I guess this is another one of my, what I've come to call chrononalogies, where like, it's it's so strange that like the space from, the first song of theirs I ever heard was almost definitely Gloria, which would put it 81 or 82, given that it was on MTV and I got MTV in 82, probably 82. You got like two years from Gloria from October, or as I call her, I call her Toby. You go from October to Unforgettable Fire in about two years, and then you go from I guess I guess the album I like less than other people was eighty seven. So when was when was their terrible Angel of Harlem album? Rattle and Hum was right after Joshua Tree, and uh, Rattle and Hum is not horrible. I know why people dislike it, but but it's but it's but it's funny because you could write a song about MLK and your Bono in nineteen eighty four, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool because like he's obviously the guy obviously loves you know all things American. You know, he pretty soon he'd be wearing a cowboy mm-hmm. hat for some reason. But like it's it's strange the mm, not credibility gap but the like well almost the like eye rolling gap of like getting to like hey BB King's on our album it's like really guys I mean he's good on the album stupid (laughs) I saw BB King live in 1985 and it was awesome there's some good songs on Rattle and Hum Uh, there's some not so good songs on Rattle and Hum, and there's maybe too many songs on Rattle and Hum, but the movie is good if you're a big YouTube fan, and there's enough good tracks to justify the album. And maybe this all started because I was saying to my kid, I have a feeling, I said, hey, I heard that Sing 2 is pretty good, hmm. better than you'd think. I like the first one. I like the first one. I like that Gecko Lady. And, uh, and then I said, but it would not surprise me at all if it was kind of ruined by, you know, the musical, uh, <clears throat> you know, provenance. 
Because isn't there a big tie-in? Sing 2's also got, like, Bono's in the movie, voice-wise, and, like, they have a song. Yeah, but I don't think he's the type of person who's going to come in and ruin a movie. I don't know if he's going to do anything great for the movie, but I don't think, I, I don't think he's going to oh, ruin Oh, brother. I guess. Yeah, I bet he's, he's nice. A, he's not going to go in there and mess up a movie. <sighs> you know, we all grow. So that's good. Anyway, uh, what was the other song that was in my head? Uh, now it's, I'm spacing on it. It wasn't Super Love by Charlie XCX, although it probably should have been. Anyways, uh, so I thought of you, you know, this morning as I was looking at uh, Bono's hair. So you had a sort of hard coming, and was it the other song playing at the same time, or was it In my head? No, no. You know, it'll come to me. By the time we're done here, uh, it'll occur to me. For a long time, often it's a song from Hamilton, which I haven't listened to in months. But Speaking of that, tangentially, I saw Encanto. That my my kids started watching it this morning, and it looks, it the animation is bananas good yeah looks real good really really nice character designs the songs are pretty okay they're lin-manuel miranda song so they're oh oh, it sounds like it should be okay all right they're pretty okay but i but the way everybody looks is like it's sort of like remember they always of course you know this but like you know ed catmull says (laughs) but you know the whole thing of like well you know and i don't know how much of this is you know hagiography or you know made up but that whole thing of like, we didn't do Monsters, Inc. We did Monsters, Inc. because we could finally do hair really well. And then in the, um, we did, you know, um, Finding Nemo because we could do water well. And then that all comes together in The Incredibles, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But like, I thought the, like you, the word, phrase you use, character designs were great. But also just the, the it, it oh, sounds so stupid. I was just really impressed in the 10 minutes of it that I saw before I had to leave for work. I was like, man, it's, it's, it's still, it looks like animation, but it's smooth and beautiful and the textures and yeah so I, I have some qualms with the plot of the the movie because i don't i don't know if other people felt this way so like i don't want to ruin the plot for you but the, you know so it's a, I, I got as far as that the 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 girl the girl with the glasses the san junipero glasses that she doesn't have a special gift the, pr- the pretty girl can hear well there's the the big girl who's strong there was not a lot, huge surpassing yeah. amount of creativity right. so in there. Know. And I, I got a feeling she'll discover what her special gift is. I'm going to guess that her special gift is, uh, oh, oh, I, I thought I nailed it this morning. I know, no spoilers. Go ahead. Yeah, but anyway, like, you, I mean, the, the gist of the movie is you've got your main character. She's, uh, she feels different than other people. And you've got a problem scenario and how, you know, it's like a coming of age story. How is she going to deal with this and blah, blah, blah. Everybody else is like, uh, has mutant powers. There's the guy with the crazy eyes who's like Legion. He can see the future, but it might be crazy, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of, you know, anyway. Uh, but in these type of movies, I think it works better when sort of, uh, as, as we've said in past shows, the villain is basically puberty or the villain is like yourself. It's like, think of a movie where you have a young kid yeah. struggling with some kind of issue and they have to figure out how to overcome it. Usually it's like internal. I mean, obviously the obvious example, the most extreme example is Inside Out, where what happens externally and inside out? Like there's no external disaster. It's just, hey, I'm growing up and dealing with your emotions is hard, right? But right. it's not like the main character in Inside Out is bullied in school or uh, her parents are getting divorced or something. I mean, she moved to a new city, but it, but like basically there's nothing, so there's no external villain. Whereas in Encanto, there there are a bunch of external forces that are terrible to the main character and you're like did this need to be like almost like they had to gin they had to gin up some kind of they didn't gin it up i don't i mean uh, it's not too much to say basically her family's terrible to her right which oh, is a, yeah. which is I, realistic. Even I got that 
which is realistic and lots of people's families are terrible to them. But in a, in like a movie aimed at kids or young adults, it feels excessive. I feel like there's plenty mm-hmm. of like I don't want to, especially since the way the, the movie smart goes, girl feel feel bad. Yeah, I don't want to villainize the family because they're not really the villains. But as an adult, you watch this and you're like, the adults in your life are not doing <laughs> the right thing, <laughs> right? And so right. unlike in you know in most adolescent movies, you're like. Okay, growing up is hard, and these are struggles, and I recognize them, but still, I feel good that you have parents that love you, or like that your teacher is not super mean to you, or if kids are mean to you, we understand that. But when the adults in this person's life are failing this, you know, child or young adult, it feels worse watching the movie. I couldn't, I couldn't get on board. I I just felt like, you know, calling social services on this family constantly to say, Mm-hmm. Why are you being so terrible to your non-magical daughter? Like it's and it's at least in the parts I saw again very briefly was that it's like you could tell that like this is not a new thing that it's like you know she's the Cinderella. Well, that's a silly, but you know what I mean. The the like yeah, but even so, Cinderella is a good example. The people who are terrible to Cinderella, we're supposed to dislike. Like the mm-hmm. the stepsisters are are bad or mean to her. Her stepmother is bad and mean to her. Is a villain, right? Mm-hmm. And this movie has people doing things to her but then we're all supposed to say oh but i still love them because they're my family i'm like they you need to get away from them because they're not <laughs> anyway maybe i took something away from the movie that i wasn't supposed to take away. but but the animation is beautiful the character designs are beautiful some of the songs are pretty good the one complaint i have my very minor complaint but it's a thing that you pick up on if you know to look for it and it's in every animated every computer animated movie probably most animated movies period is that uh the more important the character is the more detailed the animation design is. Oh, totally true. Mm-hmm. Right. And this has a pretty big cast. So our main character is phenomenal. I remember Hair, thinking face, that entangled. expressions, everything. I remember amazing. thinking that like entangled, it's like the the little lizard and the Rapunzel character are so detailed and like some of the like the bad guys are more smooth. <laughs> right. But then in this in this thing there's a big family and it's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, as you get degrees separated from like the main three or four characters, the detail goes down and the character design becomes less inventive and the animation becomes more simplified and that's just budgetary right you have people assigned to characters you you know how many how many control points do they have how much time do you spend sweating over the animation and everything as you get more distance so the fact that the main characters look so good here makes the tertiary characters stand out a little as being Mm-hmm. not as detailed or not as interestingly designed let's say they're sort of more exaggerated and cartoony yeah, two Brad Bird movies come to mind. One is a movie I mentioned earlier called uh, The Incredibles. Another is, um, I'm, well, I'm about to just, what I'm trying to, about to say is like, I think movies that handled this well, that and Iron Giant are two movies like this. The secondary characters in Iron Giant look so good. Yeah, that's something with, with hand-drawn is you, you don't mm-hmm. you have the thing Everybody's of like- glasses could, have, like people's glasses look like glasses. It doesn't just look like frames on a face. Yeah, and- like in 3D, you have you know more or less control points for doing their expressions, uh, more or less polygons, right? If you're going to do motion capture, that's expensive. You don't do it for everybody. Whereas with hand-drawn, it does take more effort to draw with more detail. And obviously, background characters have less detail than main ones. Uh-huh. But you can give mostly the same amount of attention to all your all your sort of characters with speaking parts in hand-drawn animation because there's not this big difference in the initial time investment in building the model or the puppet or, you know, whatever they call them in 3d, where you sort of build your controllable character and you can invest a lot of time in, in building 
your main character and then less in the secondary and even less in the tertiary, whereas drawing is you just you do your character designs, you sketch them out and then everybody draws them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the way like, for example, the like, no, you ruined my death guy. Like, you know, or like the woman, people walking down the street and that I always think of that wonderful black and white segment in The Incredibles. But um, anyway, um, what else was I going to say about that animation? Uh, boy, we watched something recently that really grabbed me. You know, it might have been Tropic Thunder. I was thinking because we watched that, you know, every couple of weeks. And I was just thinking about like, you know, it, it's it's so good when, when a, a movie... I don't know where it looks like it, it got some budget for something, maybe not all the budget, but they like have, have really kind of, you know, put it all together. I don't know. That always makes me happy. I'll check it out. I can't remember the other song, but it will come to me. Yeah. You should watch it just, just for the animation. Um, Cause it's really, really well done. The main character, I think it's just an amazing design all the way down to the clothing and the dress. And it's just so everything about right, the main right. character is like just perfectly executed. I remember when we went to see brave brave and like just being hypnotized by Merida's hair. Mm-hmm. Like I know we're supposed to be hypnotized by Merida, but like it was amazing. It was like, again, to quote the great Dr. Katz, you know, you're making a rice. Like you're not making grains <laughs> of rice. You're making a rice. And like her hair, it's like, it's her, her, it's hair all the way down. Like it's, there's so much going on. Um, yeah, yeah. What did we watch that I was, dang it, it'll come back to me. Uh, I think the the stringy meat in my, in my teeth might've harmed me somehow. Um, we talked last week, John, this is, we're in follow-up. Um, we talked last week about your new freezer situation, preparing the way, dealing with that, getting it through the bulkhead. A word, which by the way, my wife immediately, (laughs) I said, I said, did you know there's a name for that thing that like Dorothy goes into or like, you know, that you go into like in a, like Hurricane Nettie. She's like a bulkhead. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I guess you do know. Maybe it's a Northeast thing. I don't know. <laughs> it must be. But um, are the, did you have any updates that you can share with us about how things are going at uh, the Syracuse house with the, uh, in the finish room? Sure. Uh, so the, uh, the new freezer that I was returning, um, they did eventually come and take it away. They came three days later than they said, which was already uh, two and a half weeks. So it was oh, almost three weeks or whatever it was. But it did eventually come. They took it out of my house, and that was a relief. Um, and so I put all the doors back on the hinges, and immediately a bunch of other junk filled in the spot where it used to be. Um, so that's <laughs> the story of my life. <laughs> yep. So there's that. And then, so now where we are is the old fridge is still in the garage. Update on the old fridge in the garage. It has sung its song to me one or two times. Meaning that electric to the thing was interrupted for some reason. No, that's not what it means. That's what lots of people think it means. But all it means is that that's the thing that this freezer does sometimes. Presumably <laughs> when the uh, when a cycle ends and the compressor turns off. But it that's, used to be consistent. That is madness. It used to be consistent, but now I've heard it like two times in the last week. So it's not either. Well, that's good. N- it's either not happening. First, it's it like wasn't happening at all. The dog that poops in the house less. Yeah. First, it wasn't happening at all. Now it's happening extremely infrequently. It can't possibly be that the compressor is only going on once every few weeks. So. I don't know what the deal is, but what all it means is that I still don't trust this freezer. This freezer is still suspect. I am, you know, we're we're taking a break from freezer battling for a little bit, but we mm-hmm. do. We probably are going to order some other new freezer to put in the basement and make a second attempt at this replacement because I don't think we're going to take that, you know, singing freezer and put it downstairs because it's still singing sometimes. No, you did the right thing. Um, but you made it through, uh, you know, the, the big winter holiday, 
sounds like you're you're still alive and intact. So same old same old freezer that sings, the singing freezer, and the the one that didn't the one that broke is gone. And now you'll revisit this to decide what to do next. Will it or will it not be a whirlpool? You'll you'll make all those decisions after the first of the year. Yeah, something like that. I mean, there are there are other back to us. Don't 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 put it all on your popular show because there are other the people... appliance things and other body things that I will save for a future episode of this oh, show. Oh, I forgot about the body, John. Everybody's asking about your body. Yeah, it's, my body's fine, but it, there'll be do more. Do it as a bonus next week. There'll be more updates. I have I have multiple medical appointments in the next month, so maybe we wait until those have gone by. To uh, it's not about the toe. One of them might be. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well. It seems pretty unfair to keep us hanging like this, but I, I, I wish you well. But there's more appliances, too. You'll be in my prayers. Oh, good. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I, I'm dealing with some new uh, some new Roombas, so I, I got my own thing going on here. Mm-hmm. I'm training them. Or <laughs> more yeah, likely they're so, training so you're me. Saying, at least, at least they're not, uh, no longer smearing cat poop all over your house. Rest in peace. Hey. Too soon. No, 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 <laughs> it's fine. She's No one cares. Um, no, you know, we miss her. I still see her around sometimes. I still think fuzzy pillows are her, but yeah, it's weird to see Christmas pictures with her. Uh, well, she, when she was alive, you know, she's in the photos. We didn't take any pictures after she passed. We still haven't opened up her ashes. They might even be like a different cat's ashes. We don't know. Yeah. I don't like opening things. You know how Tony Stark doesn't like being handed things. I don't like opening things. Mm-hmm. Could be a diploma. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash rd. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash rd. Burrow is the company striving to set a new standard in furniture with easy-to-move modular designs. I would say they make a great couch, but that works too. Uh, They have timeless American mid-century and contemporary Scandinavian styles, which is nice. They have premium durable materials like responsibly forested hardwood, top-grain Italian leather, and reinforced metal hardware. Burrow's in-house design team takes a research-driven approach because they want to make sure that their furniture fits your lifestyle. And that's why they've produced simple mounting guide posters for their index wall shelves. Thank you, Burrow. And they have tool-free assembly processes, as John Syracuse says. Burrow has a modern website that's super easy to use. Now, this is true. I've used their website. I'll more on that in a second. But it is very easy to use. It means you can create and customize your own furniture from home. Okay, wait for it. Without having to go to old-fashioned warehouse stores and high-pressure showrooms. I don't like either of those things. I'd like to say more on that in a minute. But, and you can enjoy free shipping for all. You're part of all. Every order, no matter how small or large, is delivered directly to your door for free. They're just going to do that. That could save you well over $100 when you're buying a large item, like, say, a couch. And if you ever need help, the Burrow team is always available to lend a hand from custom orders to rescheduling a delivery. Now, here's the part I wanted to tell you. I, I, you might have heard this. But you, you know, you can skip this if you already bought some Burrow stuff. If you have not, please hear me out. My wife and I have been looking for a couch. We had been looking for a couch for bloody forever. And uh, pardon my cursing, but it's very frustrating. We had to go to, uh, what is it called? We had to go to old-fashioned warehouse stores and high-pressure showrooms. I don't like either one of them. We had a shared Apple Note for a long time because we use Apple products. And and in that note, we would share uh, couches we were considering to buy. You know, And, and it was horrible. 
it was just that my wife is awesome and Apple Notes is fine, but it was horrible because going to these places sucks and all the couches are crazy expensive and wasn't sure it would fit in our little hobbit hole. But here's the thing. Before Burrow even sponsored this program at all, I bought a Burrow couch with my own gosh dang money. No offer code. I, I bought it. I, with my little ravioli fists, I put it together myself. Uh, I've, I've, and, and I sit on it a lot, you know, if I'm being honest, we just had the holidays here, uh, in, uh, in California and I was sitting on the couch a lot, like a lot, a lot. And the whole time it was totally a burrow couch. And I think you should get one too. Stay out of what do they call it. Stay, stay out of the old fashioned warehouse stores and stay out of the high pressure showrooms, unless that's your kink, in which case go nuts, take some photos uh, you know, write some fan fiction, but my advice to you is to go to aburo.com slash RD. That's RD. And that's going to get you $75 off. How nuts is that? $75 off your first order. You go to aburo.com slash RD, $75 off. And you can get a couch like Merlin Mann has. Now, now, uh, John Sirkusa, I'm pretty sure he has, I believe what he refers to, I want to say a grandma couch, which I think is a little racist. But, you know, he is Italian. You go to burrow.com slash RD, $75 off. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. We have kind of a wackadoo idea. Oh, wait, we're, we're, going, we're skipping the minis and going straight to the main topic. Is that correct? That's right. All right. <laughs> you sound so enthused. You only, not only, you mostly want to talk about things that, that, that make me look bad, I think. How would this make you look bad? This is, this is a, well, I don't know. This is why project. I do the show. This is why I do the show, John. This is your project. I do that. Yeah. Why, why don't you explain what your wisdom project is? Um, the wisdom project, uh, well, the fact, the fact is that it's a, a an evolving draft document where I try to, capture um a, if you like good advice and like the the sort of framing device which is also the device is that like some of it is stuff like that i've heard that's good that's good advice but a lot of it is stuff where i was like oh boy took me a really long time to learn that i mean for example uh you know the, the such a big one like don't try to tell other people how to grieve like, you know, um, it took me way too long to learn, well, to put it differently, that the way I was dealing with people who were grieving was dumb and hurtful. And I didn't, I thought I was just being me. Uh, and it took me a really long time to sort of internalize that. I don't remember exactly where it started, but there was one week on Do By Friday where Alex and I were talking about uh, a challenge involving craft, the uh, the all-in-one personal acknowledgement app. And for however it all started, I just started jotting down some random like bullet by bullet ideas of like things that I thought were good advice, things I've learned. And, you know, and I, I imagine we'll delve into this. It's like things I, I, I've wanted to say or wanted to write down. And I suddenly found myself very invigorated by just doing bullets of like, like, like most of these are a sentence or two long sentence or two in length. Um, and that's so the bed anyway you can go anywhere you want with this but the basic idea was i started doing that and i i really enjoyed it it's a it's a it's a topic and a format that's really in my wheelhouse 
And then I picked it back up, oddly enough, when we were in Rhode Island. Um, I started uh, capturing again because, you know, it's not like writing a book. Like you just, you capture as you can. And I would kind of get stimulated and go, oh yeah, that reminds me of this. That reminds me of this. And so the idea is right now, if you go to, well, I'm sure it'll be in notes. Uh, you go to GitHub. I've got a gist up there. Uh, I manually updated, copied and pasted gist. Uh, that's just the the four or 5,000 words that I have captured so far. And it's just bullets in no particular order, mostly. Um, in an epigrammatic style, kind of like I'm no Oscar Wilde, but like, you know, kind of like pithy style. And I've found that I really enjoy doing it. And there's no goal per se. And there's certainly given that there's no deadline. And so it's just, it's fun. It hasn't been ruined by being turned into something else. And, and the people who I hope like it seem to like it, which makes me very happy. And it's the name of it has been changing. The latest I've landed on, I've just been calling it the the wisdom. I think I called it Merlin's Wisdom Project. Because, you know, or something like that. Because I, I, I should I figure I should have my name on it. But, you know, and it's just stuff. And like, it's it's stuff like, I think the very first one, if memory serves, is uh, something it took me a long time to learn. And, you know, like so many of these, of the ones that I really like, there's a lot more to it than what's on the page. Sometimes an email is just a way to say, I love you. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means just what it says. Sometimes, well, at the most boring level, oftentimes, sometimes, occasionally, we send an email not because we have information to convey or to receive, but because we want to just uh, be in contact with that person. And I think that's true if you choose to read a little deeper into that. There's a lot about life in that. You know, and I have to remind my wife about this. Sometimes, like, we're, we we talk to Bond. Sometimes we talk, sometimes I talk too much. You know, I'm always talking, as Joni Mitchell says, chicken squawking. But, uh, the, you know, communication, t- t- talking is about more than communication. And email is about more than the efficient delivery and receipt of information. And I didn't realize that for a long time. So I would get mad about emails that were too folksy and collegial and Facebooky. Um, and I don't, I haven't changed over much in general about that, but that it leavens my attitude about life to remember the things that I'm telling other people because it's a thing I needed to learn, which as I'm fond of saying is something that I need to be reminded of as well. So that's what it is. And, um, there's, it's very erratic. Uh, I can get to this if you want more later, but I have a vision for like what I would kind of like it to be, what I'd like it to turn into, and so far, I've been really proud of myself in terms of uh, doing the stuff that I'd like to do with this little project, side project, uh, and without, you know, getting in my own way, which is a, a, a known issue. So, yeah, that's it. So, so it's Merlin's uh, Wisdom Project, I think it's called. A bunch of things about this I find interesting. Yes, but before, mm-hmm. and I do want to delve into some of the individual items. I've pulled up the thing and we'll dive into them in a little bit. Oh, I'll, I'll go anywhere you want. And, you know, and honestly, this isn't about the book that I didn't write. So I will take your, I will take your suggestions, your criticism. And let me just be clear. I'm not the Reader's Digest. This is, you're not, you don't need to submit these to me and you don't need to, you don't need to begin a sentence to me with the phrase, you forgot. I did, I hadn't forgotten uh, unless I had forgotten. Like in the case of a recent entry on time constraint versus busyness, I did forget that, but no, this is not, it's not every piece. Guys, here's what a list is. A list a list is not everything. Otherwise, it would be everything. You know the difference between a list and everything? Because if everything's on it, it's everything. And if it doesn't have everything on it and someone, say, chose what's on it, that makes it a list. I don't want to sound sensitive about it. 
everything all the time. But the, yeah, I'll talk about anything you want. I'm I'm uh, I'm intrigued about how you're going to make me look bad in the next forty five minutes. Uh, oh, that's not that's not my goal. Well, but we'll so see you what do happens. that. Um, well, it's not your goal. So, yeah, it's your... Like I said, before before we get into the individual things, I have some uh, meta stuff to talk about. The first thing is one of the things this project makes me think is it sounds obvious and dumb, but I think it's worth voicing and at least talking about is that. You are at a point in your life where you feel like you have wisdom to communicate to other people, mm -hmm. to yourself. And yes, you're doing it for your own benefit and so on, yada, yada. But the point is, not many two-year-olds are writing a wisdom document that uh, is useful to the world, right? <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's go it kind of goes <laughs> if you, without if saying. If you cry a long time, you get stuff. <laughs> yeah, it kind of goes without saying that you have to have lived and experienced things to have learned things, to have wisdom and you to have pass to, on. Part. You have to have erred. <laughs> Yeah, right. And so I, I mean, think that I mean, it's a pretentious noun to use, but like, I, I hope I have somewhat successfully framed the idea that like, no, seriously, like these are all things like when I was, a, I was, there was a time, for example, when I was a project manager and didn't know about the project management triangle. Does that matter a lot? Well, it mattered a lot to the people that I work with because I, now that I do know that I can't unsee it. You can't unsee the project management triangle. So in that case, like, I do think that's, that's something that comes from way above my pay grade, but no, I take your point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that like the wisdom exists in like, and I'm, you know, you could graph the curve or whatever. Like, it's not like you have no wisdom when you're young and all the wisdom when you're old, but mm -hmm. the, it, there is a, a curve where like the amount, you know, if you had, if every year of your life, someone told you to make a wisdom document with the wisdom that you learned since last year, you could do it. Uh, and you, the wisdom I feel like would get better yeah. <laughs> as you age. Up until a point, because then eventually you start getting senile and you're not as fast as you used to be. And uh, some of your wisdom turns sour. You know what I mean? Where it becomes like just you mm -hmm. can't accept the new thing when you're 97 years old and these kids are teleporting around. With their so, some whatever. wisdom does not travel well to getting older. Like, for example, it actually is kind of cool to be young and have energy and not know that life will eventually grind you down. I don't mm -hmm. mean it sounds as negative, but like that is that is a kind of wisdom that you lose I mean, it's almost like, God, what's the story? The, the story where like, oh, you know, like, um, oh God, I'm spacing, but like where only kids can see, you know, certain kinds of creatures, you know, or like can only, what's the, what's the movie or book that I'm thinking of? This is really embarrassing. There's a million of them where only, only young people can do magic or see the magical things or go to the place or kind whatever. Kind of, Yeah. But then also to your point, though, as you get older, like, are you sure that's really wisdom? Are you sure that's not just, I mean, you look at somebody like Ambrose Bierce and the Devil's Dictionary. That's a wonderful, wonderful tome. But again, as I said, it, writing in epigrams does not make you Oscar Wilde, semicolon, and being a smartass does not make you Ambrose Bierce. Yeah. So like, like, like wisdom can curdle as you get older. It can turn sour. It can turn, it can turn into something that is no longer wisdom without you realizing it. So I think there is probably uh, but wisdom a also has that, that, that thing, the thing to it though, of like, I think wisdom, one element of what, and I'm sorry to keep, I really don't want to obsess about this word. It's just a word. But, uh, the, the other thing about wisdom is that there are, if it's really, if it's, you know, if it really is something that is wise, it's something where you do need experience to appreciate it. You do need, maybe you even need a certain amount of refusal. I wrote something down a little bit ago because a lot of these start out as just a few words that I'll turn into something later. When you were talking about Riley or other teen characters, so I think we like to say on The Incomparable that in Miyazaki movies, the only uh, antagonist is weather. But like you, it's you. here's the thing, because a lot of wisdom is like, I'm, I, there's no point in me telling you this. It's just going to sound like I'm lecturing you. I wish I could say to a young me, who I know would not listen to it, 
um, the real antagonist is you. You get in your own way. And part of the problem with you getting in your own way at various ages in life, but especially, let's say, maybe in the teen years, is that you've never had more certainty in your life that the one thing you can count on is your certainty about certain things. <laughs> your certainty about certain things. When, in fact, if you were to step off that certainty a little bit, a new world would begin to open for you. But you don't, you, I'm, you don't even get to... You, until you're like an OT7. We're not even going to talk about that until you're like 24. Because me saying that to you when you're 10 is not going to help. But it's true. You're going to get in your own way a lot because you, at least I was so involved in my own emotions and my certainty about them. And I was so angry and negative. And it sounds to some extent like maybe you were. I mean, is there a lot of wisdom you could have given to yourself that you would have taken when you were younger? Probably not. Yeah, and I think... uh there probably hopefully you continue to progress in wisdom pretty much up until the point of sort of you know cognitive decline and even sometimes maybe past that depending on how things are going for you that you might not be as as have it together as you always have but well, maybe it's not like you, you lose it all in one day you can still be interesting and kind even when yeah, you're demented maybe like the, the maybe the wisdom is still intact but it, it can be hard to assess new things and when you're in cognitive decline but still there is probably like a peak somewhere and I, you know, and hopefully you're not going into cognitive decline in your 50s other than the normal ways that everybody does in terms of worse reflexes mm -hmm. and slightly worse memory and all that other stuff. But, you know, I think it is uh, your current ages are a reasonable time to undertake a wisdom project and not have it be a complete laughing stock. Because, again, if you're doing the wisdom project when you're 21. <laughs> Raves John Syracuse. Yeah. It, yeah, right. You can put that the quote. Not a complete laughing stock. I Raves I John Syracuse. Thank you. <laughs> it could have been worse. It's like my mother said about my my late grandfather's painting, and I did write this down. I was in college, and it was about 1989 when my mother said this. I said, I didn't know Grandpa Man painted. I said, was, was it any good? And she paused, and then she said, um, someone could appreciate it. It wasn't a complete disaster, <laughs> which is about as high of a praise as you're going to get from my mom. But being a person from Ohio who never wants to directly insult someone – Someone could appreciate it. A very my mom thing mm -hmm. to say. Someone could appreciate it. It wasn't a total disaster. Yeah. On the top of this, this page says the Wisdom Project, but you mentioned Merlin's Wisdom Project. And I think that's oh. the next part of this that is interesting and important. Oh, I'll change it's that. Not, yeah. It's not just a Wisdom Project or the Wisdom Project. It's Merlin's Wisdom Project. And I think it's very difficult to read this and get all of the value out of it without knowing who you are and something about you and maybe something <laughs> of your work. Because a lot of the wisdom in here... Yeah lands differently or better if you know you and the things that you've talked about because they are they are well, that's they're super like a, one, interesting if you had examples like i'd love sentences. to hear them okay wow not now but like if you if you run across them in your in your review of uh yeah well like i said because because you don't you're not writing you're not writing a book here you're not writing pages upon pages mm -hmm. upon pages explaining yourself it's one or two sentences and yeah there's enough in those sentences to, to get the point of any of them in isolation but not in isolation knowing the surrounding context of you and your work and the, the things that you talk about and what you've said about the specific subject i think adds value to them because it can remind you of the you know 40 minutes you talked about this on a podcast five years ago right so this little marker like you can read it and Maybe you don't absorb it or, or understand it fully, but if it triggers in your memory that time you talk for 40 minutes about it, that adds lots of value as opposed to just being like, oh, I, you know, it's like you said, if you could explain in one or two sentences to your younger self, the value <laughs> would be there, but your younger self would not get it. But if you could spend 40 minutes, maybe you'd <laughs> right. have a fighting chance. So a lot of these wisdom documents, right, right, right. Uh, these bullet points say, 
okay, yes. Also, I remember when he talked about this on a podcast and it reminds me of that whole conversation and the whole long conversation inevitably has much more elaborates more gives more examples supports it with more evidence and explains it in a way if you don't know the reference for keep moving and get out of the way and i'm trying to minimize the number of links because that's not what this is Mm -hmm. if you want to explore more you can but no i i I totally take what you mean yes yes all right and so the next thing that i see about this document that i think is interesting as you've pointed out several times it's not a book you talked on other podcasts knowing this listening to the other things the mpu helps mpu that Mm -hmm. Because of the way this is structured, it's stru- yes, it's structured as a bunch of text that you can read, of course, but also it's structured as sort of modular data such that you can filter and slice and dice these to get yourself a subset of them that is tailored for whatever thing you're interested in learning about. I don't know how you're doing mm. this behind the scenes or if you have a kind of tagging structure or there's organized by section or whatever, but the point is it's not... It's not if you printed it on a piece of paper, yes, all the words would be there and it would be fine. But that's not what this is about. It's meant my understanding, at least you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's meant to be kind of like a database where you're not meant to just select star on the whole thing. <laughs> right. You're you're you can pull out the parts that you're interested in by essentially formulating a query. Uh, and in that way, and that's kind of why it's like, yes, it's text, but it's also kind of data, structured data as well. That's a that's actually a really good way to put it. Yeah. Um, well, the, that's one of the, my points of pride as I, you're probably, I think I probably talked to on Dubai Friday, but one of my points of pride is the minimum of fussing that I've been fiddling that I've done because <laughs> I got to the point where I did create a separate text file just to write down stuff I'd like to later do. And in, in brief, what I'm looking for is, yeah, you know, this could be a book. Um, well, it, what is a book? I mean, it's, it, it doesn't need to be paper between covers. <laughs> There's a wonderful bit on, um, Mitchell and Webb. Mitchell and Webb do this hilarious send up, this parody of Gordon Ramsay, like Kitchen Nightmares shows. It's obviously just based on Gordon Ramsay. And, and, uh, and so uh, Webb goes in, he's like, all right, all right, fresh, fresh local salmon. I'll do this, uh, make the aioli and this, ah, diced vegetables. Ah. And then he, he holds it up and it's this exquisite dish. And, and David Mitchell looks at it and he's just like, he looks like he wants to cry. He's like, now why don't you do that? Why can't you do that? He's like, you're better at this than I am. I have a failing restaurant and you're making it worse by doing this. He goes, that's just fresh local ingredients. He says, yes. And King Lear is just English words put in order. (laughs) (laughs) It's always such a funny line to me. But yeah, the notion is once, and I'm thinking this is a part I hand off to somebody else, like some kind of Greg Noss, some future Greg Noss in my life to say like, okay, I would like this, this to have what I would call tags, probably visible. Where like, yeah, if you click on a tag, you would see everything for email tips or whatever, you know, just arbitrarily or, you know, chores or time management or whatever it is. But like, you know, I don't want to go too crazy with that for the same reason I don't like chapter markers, which is like, yeah, there's an outline, but I won't know what the outline is till it's done. And I don't want you jumping around. Uh, the, 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 the part that will be challenging, and I don't want to get too in the weeds about this, except to congratulate myself I only spent half a day dicking around in Scrivener before I said, leave it, and like went straight back to NVAlt as the sole place where I work on this, right? I was kind of proud of myself because I could have really gotten, I don't know if you know about this, John, but there's been times in the past when I've gotten a little wound up in, you know, mind maps and outlining and taxonomies and stuff like that. But the the notion is that, uh, again, forgive me for repeating something you know, but like the idea is if you come in and go, hey, you know, I want to, I want to, I want an EPUB or a Mobi 
or a PDF of uh, everything that's funny and about time management or whatever. Like you can go and this is a living document. Like, you know, it's the whole idea is I don't, I hope this is never done unless somebody picks it up after I'm dead. I, I think I like the idea. This is something I can just keep adding to. My only caveat is that part of the, you're not allowed to call yourself funny or humorous, but one part I think can be funny is the little twist of the related colon or relatedly related, which, you know, and I'm on more than one occasion in here, I say, you know, something in life is blah, 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 thing that we can all agree with related. This is also true about you. Whoa. Like those need to stay together. So there needs to be ways to keep dyads and triads uh, or whatever together. But honestly, it's so freeing. Uh, forgive me for being so pleased with myself. I'm having fun with this. Um, one of the things that make this, makes it so freeing and so different from other things is I know maybe at the age of 55 that it's, if, if this is not my job, but if this were my job, my job would be to just keep capturing. And when it stops being fun, stop for a while, just capture little bits. And a lot of this starts out as one or two words or five words and then flush it out. And then I get ahead of steam on and there'll be, you know, a new 500 words that came out of that. But yeah, so so I'm pleased with myself about that, but that's the idea. The idea is that this could be made into a whole bunch of different things, but it's way too early to think about that. It's fun just to have people, it makes me so happy that people, a handful of people anyway, seem to be enjoying this and going like, wow, that's good. I hadn't thought of that or whatever, which is exactly all that anybody could ever hope for. But yeah, I, I have certain ambitious, ambitions for being able to make this into, into something that people could turn into different things. And you know, again, probably make it a creative commons or similar all the way down the line so that people can non-commercially make what they want out of it. People have already, I've gotten like three different shortcuts for just read me a piece of wisdom that people have made, which made me extremely happy. I can put those, oh, a couple of those I can think of, I'll put in notes, but yeah, yeah. But the, there's something very freeing, but, but there is a, a method to the madness though, because as with so many things, you know, King Lear is just English words in the right order. Like there are times where I go, hmm, this has gotten really like there's one area fairly early on that gets very dense with that project management stuff, which is fine because it kind of works there. But I want it to, I want there to be abrupt, you know, uh, record scratch break screeching moments where you go from, I like when it goes from a topic that might seem kind of heavy to something that's a little more light. I think that's fun. Like going from talking about, you know, fear of death to like how to order water in a restaurant, I think is fun. And, um, and if you'd ever want to talk about it, like that's a huge inspiration for me is all these pseudo reference books that I love. Stuff like the book of lists. Like the book of lists is organized in chapters and each chapter is like thematic and every list has an internal cohesion. But bo things like that, things like a uh, huge influence here, obviously, there'll be in credits, is uh, the series uh, Rules of Thumb, Right stuff like that. I like, I like the, like, I don't know what's going to be next. I, I, I like the idea that like, you can just read this whole thing and hopefully it will be interesting, amusing, maybe thought provoking, maybe make you feel a little mad, but like, but it also, it can have a cohesion, but I don't want to think about that key cohesion over much, uh, yet. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Friends, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and to run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, 
Squarespace has got you covered. Squarespace combines cutting-edge design and world-class engineering, making it easier than ever to establish your home online and to make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You start with a professionally designed template and use drag-and-drop tools to make it your own. You can customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, all of this and so much more with just a few clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile, which means that your stuff is going to look great on every device or dingus. You're going to get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources that will help you succeed. There's nothing to patch or upgrade. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help. They'll even let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, you'll have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to get your ideas out there. You can, you can use Squarespace for whatever you want. Why, why am I even telling you these things? Because you monsters still haven't all gotten Squarespace. It's bizarre. But in the main, you're going to turn your big idea into your new website. It's Squarespace. Just you show, showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs. You can publish your next blog post, promote your business, announce an upcoming event, all of this and so much more. It's Squarespace. And you know, it's a new year here. It doesn't feel like it, but it's a new year. And I'm feeling sentimental. Uh, so so I went and I did some I did some preparation. I know you like the ones where I prepare. Uh, as of today, I have been uh, uh, with the Squarespace organization. I've been posting websites there since uh, April April of 2009, which means uh, it's been over 12 years. Uh, I'm great at math, so I can tell you that's that's over 4,600 days. Basically, if my relationship with Squarespace were a person and that person uh, was in school, my relationship would be in sixth grade, which is really appropriate because that's about all the maturity I have. But, you know, Squarespace makes me look good, I like to think. All my personal stuff is uh, is hosted there. The Roderick on the Line podcast. 4,640 days is so many days, you guys. Come and join me. Join me. Uh, sit here. Sit here with me, uh, you know, at, at the Squarespace table. You go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-A-F-F-S. It's going to get you a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use our very special offer code diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a unique domain name. Squarespace.com slash diffs. Use that offer code diffs for 10% off your first purchase. And we'll show your support for John Craig Syracuse, which now more than ever, I know he, I won't say he appreciates it. He needs it. He's broken inside. But, you know, go go help him out. Help yourself out. Get on the Squarespace. And I'll see you in 4,640 days when I guess your relationship will be 12 years old, too. Uh, our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Yeah, you, you basically said this uh, throughout your description there, but like uh, one uh, one aspect of this project that I feel like is significant and uh, important and valuable is that it isn't, hey, I'm writing a book. It isn't a project where <laughs> you are working towards a finish line and that finish line is a physical artifact. That is explicitly right. not what this is because that... Uh, is the, not the entire enterprise of which is worthless until it's published. Yeah, and and it's it's not just that you don't value the finished thing because the finished paper book would not have the aspects that you just described of being able to like 
generate a book just about project management from the raw structured data, which is something you can't do if someone just hands you a paper book, right? But also, yeah. it means that every every amount of work you put into this immediately adds value to the quote-unquote finished product because the finished product is always unfinished. Yeah. It is a work in progress, yeah, but yeah. every at every stage of the work in progress. And I get to post it. It's like having a blog, John. It's like yeah. you get that gratification of going like, ah, I did the thing, and then I hit a button, and I said, update public gist, and that made me happy. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a good good point. It, yeah. It's like writing for it's like writing for a blog. It's saying okay, but of course no one is going to be able to see it until I'm done with the blog. It's like well, you're never done with the blog. You always just write <laughs> right. more stuff in it. And so it's important. <laughs> the blogs that each are time, not finished; they're just a band. <laughs> yeah, it's important that every time you write something, it has to people have to be able to see it. You can't wait until you know, you're once done. a year. Once a year, whether it needs it or yeah, not, yeah. you know, give it an update. I mean, yeah. Um, one suggestion I will make on the technical front, I, I agree that it's good that you're not like getting uh, wound up into making all sorts of stuff about this, although any programmer listening to this is already thinking of ideas of how to take the structured data and do all the things you just described, make a website amazing. where you can generate things and tag stuff and blah, 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 blah. But setting that aside, the one mm -hmm. technical suggestion I will make, which is a very, very tiny, almost lateral remove from where you no, are, no, please. is rather than having it as a gist, actually yeah. make a git repo it's just still just one document called wisdom.md that's so funny you would say that because dan and i today just today agreed that we're gonna start diving into git github uh etc and i said the whole reason like i was i bought a copy of tower finally officially was that i was hoping there'd be an easy way to do that and not just be a gist. So that's a, that's a really good, I would it, love to it, do that. It would be super simple. You just make a, a repo called Wisdom. It still just has one file in it. It's called wisdom.md. It's exactly the same files you had before. The only thing I don't know how to do is how to preserve the, the revision history from your from your gist. But probably we'll there's some way to We'll that. just fork it. Fork it, baby. There's probably some way to do that in GitHub. I just don't know. But because why, just, why, why, why do you, uh, curiosity though, why, do you, why, why would a repo be better? Well, because a repo is the sort of, a uh, gist is a, is a thing on GitHub. A, a, a gist, I mean, I'm abusing. Well, my, my idea of a gist is like, for example, the joke of the cursor resting area <laughs> where I shared a gist of how I made a little box like, or, or a code snippet, right? Something, you could even do a diff. I don't think still call it that, but like, here's a thing that you could do to like change this little bit of your code. Like, right, a gist is really meant to be just a little snippet of code. Maybe you're asking for help from collaborators. It's, it's a scratch to... pad. It's a quick scratch pad. You don't want to make a repo. You right. just want to throw a little thing on there, right? And it's, it's cleverly okay. named okay. or whatever. But that is a creature of GitHub. As far as I'm aware, it doesn't, it doesn't exist anyplace else. But and like, that gives people the benefit of easier diffs and stuff right. like that. But, but a Git repo is a thing that exists independently of GitHub, right? And a Git mm -hmm. repo, uh, even if there's only just one file in it, it has all the features of a gist. It has the revision history and all that other stuff, but it also has commits and the things, all the things you can do with Git. And it is expandable to be a real live project someday when you want to start adding the thing that generates the EPUBs and all the other stuff. Um, people oh, can clone it. People can, people can, uh, you know, clone the repo and fork it and keep up with the revisions and it can okay. be used. For, like it's, it's more oh, of a universal So, so it's, it's useful for them and for me. Yeah, and from your perspective, I mean, for, the, for the reader and for the yeah. um, writer, for, from okay. your perspective as an editor, I think your workflow will mostly not change. You'll have to look into this mm -hmm. obviously before you, you you go over this hurdle, but because again, it's still just a single file called wisdom.md that is a plain text file that you can edit with any. It's just a plain text file. The only difference is that when you've done a bunch of edits, 
you will commit and then push them up to GitHub, and that you'll learn how to do that learning that GitHub. It's not it's not complicated. I can, learn, at all. I can learn that probably in less than a day, right? But, I mean, your editors might already know how to do it for you. Like they might already. I don't know what editors use and how they have Git integration. But the whole point is, this is not some weird right. thing. Lots of editors have Git integration in them. Lots of them, you can tell them when you want it to commit. And right. You know. It's it's tower tower. Yeah, yeah. And like VS VS Code will do that. Yep. And I could still write in MV Alt because it's just a text file mm -hmm. or whatever. But it would be the. Th I see what you're saying. And then, but I can, I don't. That's just just to put me at ease. That's not going to be a huge um, distraction. It's not going to be like keyboard maestro, which I love now, thanks to you, but like, it's not going to be an attractive nuisance. I could get that set up with tower and a text editor. I could set that up in probably half a day. Right. Yeah, probably. And, uh, I mean, if you're starting from zero with Git, there might be a little bit of a learning curve, but like the three operations you ever need to do, once you learn those, you can script them. Right. Or if your editor has the integration, you're I not, just don't understand branches and master and stuff. It gets me confused. I know it, it's, it, yeah, if you're starting and push from zero, and pull you or backwards, John, Push and pull should be reversed. No, you'll. It's there. There are bad things about the Git uh, it interface. It should be a push but, request, not a pull request, because you're pushing it into the into the shared code base. No, you're requesting that they pull it in from your fork into. Should I use SVN? No, what should I use? <laughs> you should not. Uh, to give an example of how Git can be used for things like this, by the way, like my my silly website is a bunch of plain text files, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I have my own stupid static site <laughs> generator that reads all the text files. And stupid spit. text files to put in order. <laughs> yeah. That's all that. And it spits out HTML, right? Yeah, no, right? I get it. I get it. Um, and, but, uh, the, the commands that do things like it's this, this is a little silly thing, you know, thing, CMS content manager. Anyway, it's a bunch of Perl like scripts that I threw together. and update, like what are the biggies? Um, but I have a bunch of commands and. Uh, what the commands do is, you know, one of the commands is publish and it publishes, you know, it's just, it's just local files. And, and I have two commands, the main commands I use. One is called stage that runs the little local server on my Mac and I can bring it up on my web browser and look at it and say, yeah, okay, everything looks okay. And then I do publish mm -hmm. and publish sure. sticks it on my actual website. Um, and one of the things public, by, by which, by which it means it's doing whatever the episode of curl is, it's uploading to and through FTP or SFTP or similar to wherever your stuff is. Yeah, stored. it goes onto my web hosting service. Thing. Not, you're not you're not doing it on a GitHub domain site. Obviously, hypercritical lives somewhere else. Yep. It's just, but the 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 this is just mental model wise. And boy, I'm you're, you're so welcome for being here for this excruciating conversation. Maybe the ultimate in either you know or you don't care. But the idea is like the the repo part is like the the repository is like where all the stuff lives in your text files or your your, the binaries you make, I guess. And then when you, the pushing part is, okay, we're ready to go out of my little sandbox here or whatever, not sandbox, sorry. But like, you know what I mean? Like that gets pushed to wherever without respect to tilde documents slash repositories. Like it's, they're separate things. The publishing part is different from like, say the binaries part in a project of yours. Well, so what publish does when I do it, and aside, mm -hmm. aside from actually publishing, as in now the world can see this, uh, is it also commits all my changes and pushes them to the Git uh, to GitHub, right? Yeah. And so every okay. time I publish, there's a new commit, and there's no you know exciting commit message or whatever. But what that means is that you know each time I, I I can make changes locally and I can commit locally, but I'm too lazy to do that most of the time. I'm just editing the text document in BV Edit, and when I'm done editing the text document, then I stage, I look right. at it, read, proofread it, everything looks good, 
And then so I publish. You're staging that locally or somewhere else? Yeah, locally. And then I publish. And at no point do I ever type a git command. All I do is I type in a text file, I run my stage command, and run my publish command. But when I run my publish command... Publi- so wait, sorry, from, from, from the command line? You yeah. just So you've got, a, you've got like a shell script behind Pearl the scripts. publish button? Pearl scripts. Okay. Yeah, okay. these are just command line cool. commands. That there's a command okay. for stage and there's a command for publish. But I never. Well, the okay. point is I never run git commands myself. I just run these sort of semantic okay. commands right. of what I'm doing, and I, you know, I'm, I'm in. I mean, I got, I got a lot to learn. But, um, but yeah, but that's, long, what yeah, that's what I'm I saying. Think it's a really like good this, idea. Uh, my yeah. site didn't wasn't always in a Git repo. For a while, it was just in Dropbox. But I had the exact same commands. The only difference is they never actually, you know, made revisions to a Git repo. <laughs> what I used to do was I would pull down a tarball of the existing site and set it aside before I published it. So if I totally hosed myself, I could quickly restore the previous version of the site. Right. Right. I, that's a lot of my life is doing things like that. But that's very silly when you have version control. And yeah. so eventually I said, well, that's stupid. But I don't I just use a Git repo. And now I just make a commit right bef- you know, every time I publish. And if I screw it up, I can just revert to the previous commit and republish. And it's back to the way it was. When somebody, uh, I, I like to heap accolades as a user. Sorry, this is not as a seasoned technologist. But as a user, I like to heap accolades on um, front of the show, Greg, that makes drafts, um, Agile Tortoise. And Greg Pierce. And so like when he has one of his amazing lists of all the changes as against, say, for example, Facebook is always working to improve your experience. Like when he has that great list, is that getting pulled? Is that getting sucked out of commit messages or is he keeping his own file in drafts that he then uploads, for example? So I would imagine like the, uh, the, you probably wouldn't want your commit messages to be your change log uh, because the audience is different. Commit messages are sort of messages to yourself or to other people who are mm-hmm. going to be editing the same document. And that's sort of an insider's Sort of like commenting view. code, sort of. Yeah, or just like you're going, it's for you to see, right? So okay. you're describing what you're doing in a way that makes sense to you or makes sense to someone else changing the code. When I go to make change notes for one of my apps, for example, in the App Store, I do look mm-hmm. through my commit messages to remind myself of what I've done since the last version I published to the App Store, right? But then I write right. my own release notes based on those commit messages because there may be like 17 commit messages, but I turn them into two bullet mm-hmm. points for the public release okay. notes, right? Because the commit messages, especially with code, is like, you know, uh, second attempt at doing feature X, uh, you know, still bugs in Y, Right. And then the next commit is like resolve bugs and what like, but it's like, okay, well, sum it up. What is the feature? What is the end user facing feature? And, and looking at those commits just reminds me, oh, I added this thing or I fixed this one user facing right, bug. Right, you right. Have, when you explain okay. and change notes, you want to explain it in a way that other people understand. In the same way that like I don't even have commit messages most of the time on my blog because they're automatically generated messages that just say, this was the publish that happened on this date and time, which is a terrible commit message. But the point is, I don't want to have to think of a commit message. I just want to make changes, save, and hit publish. Make changes, save, and hit publish. I don't want to think of a message that I'm trying to put up. Yeah, yeah. I took you down this road, this rabbit hole, but what you're ultimately saying is that the the getting something from local passed through the digestive system of source control to getting into a public place does not have to be arduous and jargony it sounds like you're saying yeah and i don't want i don't want to have to think of a commit message because maybe mm-hmm. i don't like especially with pros when i'm editing pros like well, I've, I've played with this john i mean like i think the first thing i some i'm sure i can be uh, disabused with this but i think one of the first things i ever put on when i started paying for a github account was um there used to be this really cool oh god i don't even remember what it did there's this thing i was obsessed with for a while called quicks q-u-i-x 
And it was this amazing, like, sort of think about like keyword search in Safari, but it was for lots of different things. And I would try to keep it updated and I want to share it with people and, you know, no passwords are in there or anything like that. And so like, I learned enough to be dangerous in that instance. I mean, like you're not selling past the clothes, but you've, you've convinced me this is a good idea. Do you have a place, is there a go-to known uh, get for or like whatever it is we're talking about here, which I understand is get related. Is there something I should be looking at that's a good uh, way to get started with this for the the approach that you're suggesting? Or am I going to have to just bug you all the time? All you need to do what you're doing is either uh, if the editor that you're using either has Git integration or has some kind of plugin that uses Git integration, yeah. use that. Right. Uh, if not, or even if it does, uh, just uh, do use Git from the command line. Like it's part of Xcode. It's probably already installed on your Mac. You don't have to maintain it, it or install it yourself. Yeah. It just it's okay. it's part of the tool chain. And you, you're literally gonna need like three commands. And you just okay. type those same three commands 17 times until you get bored of those three commands. Then you'll make either make aliases for them or make a shortcut or whatever. If like, I make you my technical advisor, do you agree in advance and in retrospect to only say nice things about what I'm doing here? Uh, I think I'm, the answer is yes. Obviously, no, I make no such agreement. Now, was that a pull or a push I just did? Um, and that gets updated. So if I have this on my laptop and my big boy Mac Mini, uh, the way that that's does the does something like Tower or similar update, if you like, in the background, like how do I like I understand roughly how Dropbox works. I understand roughly how RSync works. If I've got repos in different places, I guess that's the whole point. How does how do it know? So here you've got a single file. Wisdom that MD, right? Well, but I might as well learn what it is I'm doing here, not just for this one thing. Uh, so when you make a Git repo, it makes a .git directory, which adds uh-huh. a bunch of other yeah. files in addition to your single file, and that's sort of the repo. And my suggestion would be for you, to, for now, and probably forever, to put this Git repo when, in the local place where it is on your Mac, put it in your Dropbox yeah. folder. Okay. And that way, on any Mac that you're on, Dropbox will sync not only wisdom.md oh, to all yeah, your Macs. Yeah, well, it's already there. It's, it's in my elements folder right now, which it gets will, synced yes, to Dropbox automatically. It will automatically. also sync the Git repo. So it will be, everything will be up to date. Oh. And I would not recommend this for projects with large numbers of files because Dropbox syncing cannot handle giant Git repos, but you have literally there's one There's enough, file. there's enough difference that it'll screw you up eventually. And Git ignore is where you would put, like ignore things out this path. Is that what that means? Yeah, but I don't think you have let's, anything let's you're, you're going to ignore. You have one file, right? So, yeah, put the, mm. put the Git repo in your Dropbox, <laughs> and it'll be synced everywhere. If you didn't do that, if you didn't have any Git repo, you have to remember to do Git fetch or Git pull from various locations before you started editing, and then you'd forget, I, I, and then I, it'd be I might sad. call upon you. I might call upon you. you. As you know, I think you can speak to our audience, and I try to limit the number of times I ask you for tech support, uh, and I, I will try to learn what I can about this, but I think that's a very good idea yeah you don't have to limit when you ask for your tech support because here's the uh the secret mm-hmm. that well the secret to to being a person who people ask for tech support uh is like if you <laughs> being, being very stern <laughs> no uh the, i guess the secret is in, unless it's like your parents or somebody who's like make you can't refuse because they carried you in their body for nine months and then cared for you for 18 years right um unless it's your parents or somebody like that uh john roderick maybe Nah. The thing with tech mm-hmm. support is if you don't know the answer, mm-hmm. you can just say you don't know. That's true. You true. don't what you don't have to do is say, because someone asked me and because I know that I can find the answer, spend I like to the guess. next three days. I like to guess. Yeah. Don't guess I, and I don't spend helps. the next three days doing research on it. Again, unless it's your parents. <laughs> I know. I know. Because then also you get into the XY problem, which you taught me about. Right. 
And so if you ask me something, chances are good that I won't know the answer. And then I have nothing to do except to say, I don't know. Right. Oh, that's good cover. Now, I if should you're do desperate, that. I'm if you're, doing that more. If you're desperate good. and your house is on fire, I, I would help you out or whatever. But like, I, I say this I don't because- I like to abuse it though. I mean, fires come and go, but yeah. friendship is, you know, but something you pretend to be What I would public. say on this topic is I barely know Git. Okay. I know all right, all right. barely enough Git to be dangerous to myself. Okay. Every okay. time well, I, I don't get one around complicated the I get, You sold me on this. I'm going to Git. I'm going to Git. Yeah. As, as I was yeah. saying, but, but, but I think I am proof that you don't need to know that much about Git to be able to use it uh-huh. to do it, the basic jobs that it does. GitHub does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. you. You need to know three or four commands. Yes, you can get yourself into trouble with it. And then you got to go to Google and find out how to get yourself out. But the great thing about Git is it's so the interface is so stupid. You can go to Reddit. You can go to Reddit. The first 10 results are Reddit where you find out if somebody asks ask in the wrong well, way. No, in but the I'm saying, like, so the Git Not command kidding, line. I know is notoriously badly designed. Like, you know how it, a command line can be designed. What do you call the commands? How do they work together? I just right? pulled out my bash book yesterday, or last week, rather. I just pulled out my bash book yesterday because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump back in. Learn me some bash. Uh, well, bash is not as poorly designed as Git, but it's a kind of inscrutable as well. But the good thing about Should I get Git- the camel book instead? Would that help, John, <laughs> if I get the camel book? That's Pearl. If you don't know the difference between, you know, zero and null, it's the difference between all the camels in the world, what Larry Wall said. It's undef, not no. Um, hmm. But anyway, they, uh, the good oh, thing about shit, I forgot to send you something. Oh my gosh, I forgot to send you something you're going to love. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I, you're selling past the clothes. We're, we're getting wound up in the tech part of this, and I'm waiting for you to, to get to the part where you're really mean. I'm going to do this, and I think it would be good for me because there's actually a ton of stuff. I would not mind having a private repository with all my text files in it. Just because, like, I can. Like, well, that's not, that's I remember Daniel can't O'Brien first talking about the dude who would check out his home directory and, like, being so fascinated by that idea in 2005. You know, the idea of, like, having, sort of like you are with photos, like, in different places. And I feel like it's, this is something I, I could benefit from learning. I just don't want to, you know, spend forever on it. Yeah, uh, you, obviously you don't have to. Is that because it's so inscrutable? Uh, if you type any question into Google that has to do with Git, you will find like someone has like a, a, an entire blog post or a single serving website explaining in excruciating detail how to do this one weird thing because no one figures it out and they do it 15 times and then they eventually make a blog post and say, you know, how do I undo a commit that I previously did? How do I change right. the comment yeah, on an older commit? Yeah, I don't want to photograph my balls accidentally, you know? Yeah, it's, everyone has the same seven questions about Git and they have really good Google results for them because everyone has the same problem. So when you inevitably get yourself painted into a corner and you type mm-hmm. Google, you will find lots of results that, that are helpful. I'll, I'll hit up Casey, I bet he knows. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Memberful. You can learn more about Memberful right now by visiting memberful.com slash diffs. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience, and it's used by the biggest creators on the web, including me, if I'm being honest. You can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. You might have heard us talking about the Relay FM membership program. Well, I sure hope you have. You should join it, relay.fm slash RD. Uh, what you may not know is that Memberful is the platform that we use for that program. Without Memberful, there would be no program. They make it super easy to generate extra revenue and uh, to deliver bonus content to your members. Uh, it says here to talk about my personal experience, but I always feel weird on this part because my personal experience is they set it up and it works. So if you want somebody to, you know, uh, tell you how it was difficult or something, I'm not your fella. 
because it just makes it real easy for folks to support uh, what we do. That's how I choose to look at it anyway. And uh, memberful.com uh, makes that real easy. But, but what are you out there doing? Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're uh, making a podcast, producing other kinds of, as we like to say, content. Maybe you're relying on advertising and other means of income. This is an advertisement. So, wow, I feel like I've locked my keys inside of a different Merlin. Memberful makes it easy to diversify that income with everything that you need to run a membership program. This includes custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, love Apple Pay, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more. Uh, but it leaves you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. Now you can send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. That's pretty great. You can even publish your paid newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members-only website. That's a feather in their cap. No additional fees when you're signed up for Memberful's pro or premium plans. Plus, you'll save money compared to other popular hosted newsletter platforms. So if you're out there creating content or making stuff, as I like to say, Memberful can help you monetize that passion, passion into money. That's that's part of what they help you with is Memberful. So right now you go and you get started for free. You go to memberful.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. There's no credit card required. You just go memberful.com slash diffs. I'm going to spell that for you. M-E-M-B-E-R-F-U-L.com slash diffs. You go there now and you check it out. Could be the start of something exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for supporting Reconcilable Differences and literally all of Relay FM. So um, what else about this wisdom document? Um, I think uh, another aspect of it that is, uh, that sort of fits with the, uh, with your past work is, I mean, you've done, I'm thinking of fives, but wasn't there some other website that it's kind of like small lists of uh, pithy text? In your past? Yeah, I used to have a whole bunch of these. I used to have one, God, when I first got on movable type, I would just, you know how like when you first learn to buy a domain name and then pretty soon you're like just buying domain names all the time. Like I had one, so I made fives. I had one called Title Recess, which is a terrible name, but I could get the domain, which is fake guided by voices titles that I found in nature just walking around. I had another one called Ephemerabilia, which is stuff I found on the street. Um, and then like, so another one, like fives, probably I've had, I had one, I've had ones like that. I made a Tumblr once that was kind of like this sort of, but like, I, I like this kind of thing. I like, as they say in that old commercial, I like making a man eating them. Like, you know, whether or not, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being amused, you know? And like, honestly, something like the David Wallace books, um, Wallachinsky and Wallace books, like People's Almanac and the Book of Lists, uh, stuff like that. It just could be very amusing, you know, just, or like, again, Guinness Book of World Records. So I, I do enjoy that. But like, I also can find that stuff. Sometimes the epigrammatic nature of those things makes them way more effective than picking up a self-help book that you could basically tear in half, you know? Yeah, for people who don't know what Fives is, uh, two things about it. One, the domain name is clever and back when you could get clever domain names. That's awesome. The domain name <laughs> yeah. is is the numeral five and then the letter yes. I-V-E-S dot com. I really need to update my markdown plan. Hard, it is hard to <laughs> explain to people out loud, but when you see it, yes. you're like, that's a clever name for a website called Fives. Oh, and the second thing much. is, how would you describe what what is Fives? What is, what's on the website? Uh, humorous lists of five things. It started out not not serious, but less strictly ridiculous, where it would be like, Oh, 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 uh, five compulsive. I think there was one with something like five 
You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because that is like a big dish of candy. Like I love sites like that where I would just read until the end. And I hope Fives has been a site like that. But something like five fairly novel compulsions I've had at one time or another. The one I always sticks in my mind is counting patterns of four. Another one was accidentally closing a cat in a door. So there'd be things like that. But then there could also be like fairly silly, very silly jokes about yeah, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think, but like, I should go look. But like, oh, five five people I've awkward or drunkenly introduced myself to. Uh, five five. Uh, oh yeah, my five ideas for like uh, mall chain restaurants that all involve dipping sauces. Fives is list funny list of five things. Yeah. Exactly Here, five things. Here's a good one. This is the one of my favorite kinds of fives list. So this is five names you can belch. February 1st, 2008 by Merlin. Okay. Uh, Frank Black, Bob Hodgkins, (laughs) Barack Obama, Ponce Ponce de Leon, John Hodgkins. That's a good good fives. It's a good, that's a timeless fives. A lot of these are topical because they're like about Web 2.0. Oh, yeah, from a time. And and blogs. Uh, Five five more excellent public radio names. Ophabia Quist Arcton. Nunqui Duk, Sylvia Pajoli, Hermione G, Carol Ann Clark Kelly, who I always remember because she has four first names. Mm-hmm. That, it, was, it was fun stuff like that. Carol yeah. Ann Clark Kelly, that's a good one. I thought Michael Thomas was the three first names one that I remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I still, like, once you start noticing people that have multiple first names, because mm-hmm. basically you end up, so I don't know if you know about this. Well, first of all, you sound like you're in porno. Um, but also like when I had friends who worked at the radio station in Tallahassee, there was a formula that so many people followed. I'd never heard of this. This is big in radio. It's very big in acting. But when you, um, oh, you, you say like, oh, you know, what's, what's your name? What's your SAG name? Oh, Sean Kelly. But his name is actually, let's say Sean Kelly. Um, uh, oh God, who's Gomez Adams, son. Sean Aston, like maybe your real name, your given name is Sean Kelly Aston, but there's already a Sean Aston. Mm-hmm. So, like in radio, my friend David Lee Simmons, uh, his radio name was David Lee. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, 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 that's, that's why sometimes when you encounter people with multiple first <laughs> names, it's because they are actually multiple first names. This is a good website. I, I got to update this markdown. But I, I think of this as a similar thing to find, done using different technology because it's like everything and is a very blog much post. a similar process, John. Like a, a zero pressure, go nuts when you feel like it, and don't worry about it when you don't. Hmm. Hmm. Although I do one thing I don't understand, and I can't tell if it's a if it's part of the thing or just let me look at the markup to see. Well, it's got to be part of it. So the numbering. There's five items on each uh, thing, but the numbering is not no, always No, that's what I'm telling you. It's, it's WordPress. It's All right. WordPress. And like some of it, the markdown's totally broken. Others, the LIs are broken. It generally works in detail. View. I, I need to just get this. I've uh, got a lot to do. You know, everybody out there that, that has tech, tech help, that wants to offer tech help, I, I, uh, to, to quote Tim Heidecker's character in Tim and Eric's bedtime stories. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, got a, I got a whole bunch of computer problems I want to put you on. <laughs> I have so many things I need help with. I want to get 43 folders into a repository because I know it's just going to go away at some point. Um, anyways, uh, five cues that Robert Plant is ready to have sexual intercourse with you. He gently inquires as to where you like to put the turkey baster. He repeatedly offers to demonstrate, quote, how Blighty squeezes the lemonade. 
He stands in your front yard pantsless and swinging a garden hose in lazy figure eights, makes rapid milking a cow gesture while screaming something incoherent about Robert Johnson. Uh, five, he drops his semi-erect penis onto your dessert plate. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, this one, this one hasn't aged well or... I don't know. So this oh, no. Is, is it about clowns? No. August 14th, That's several clown 2006. Five people who are much more enjoyable if you imagine them Trump. as pro wrestlers. Trump. 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 Trump I still, is I still in there. And it's like, day. oh, yes. you, could, how could, you couldn't have known. But it's true. Wasn't it true? Ann Coulter? Yeah. If, she's totally a pro wrestling character. John Stossel. <laughs> John Stossel. Oh, John Stossel. Whatever happened to him? He used to be a normal guy on 2020. Well, then he, later on, he disappeared, and in between, he was a, remember he was a nut for a mm, while. Yeah, the he mustache, was a nut. Mustache madness. Five mustache more madness. Halloween costumes your sorority sisters are considering. Number one, sexy Prius. <laughs> Number two, sexy Aquadina Jug. Number three, sexy oncologist. Sorry, I have some bad news. Number four, sexy Alexander Pope. And number five, sexy Sanded Candle. Doing things is fun. Yeah, see, this Title. I, the wisdom pro- both fives and the wisdom project are perfect examples of structured data. The wisdom project is more complicated because if you're a related yeah. thing, as you noted, it's not they're not all independent. Some of them, the order does matter. You are sort of yeah, tra- making yeah, yeah. an album track list order here, and there is a you know that is part of the thing, so you can't just have them random. Uh, fives is a little bit like that, but it's mostly just date ordered. But yeah, I think this if you if you are disciplined in how you make this this markdown document at any point you if you decide that now is the time for me to dig into this or you know to try to you know make the thing that i was that you were describing of like oh, i'm going to generate an epub that and if you're careful with the formatting you can do that pretty much at any time in the future because it's not like you're going to be creating seven hundred thousand pieces of wisdom like they they come yeah. they get refined they add but it's not the rate of uh, accretion is not such that you're going to become overwhelmed with wisdom <laughs> at any point soon. In many, no, there's no danger of that at yeah, this point. Exactly, yeah. and it sounds like you know, it's kind, you know, it's kind of scratching the same itch as blogging. And like you said, when you ha- when you have mm-hmm. a thought, you put it down, and then yeah, you can yeah, go yeah. back to it whenever you feel like it, and it's out there for people to enjoy. Yeah, it's also it's a, it's um, uh, it sounds coarse to say this, but anybody's ever, well, shoot. I was going to say anybody's ever had a blog, but anybody's ever posted something on Twitter and wondered if anyone liked it, right? There's a niche to be scratched in that. Whether it's entirely wholesome or not is not my concern here, but it feels good to like go, oh, you know what? When I'm done with this, and and this is a thing I do much better now than I used to, is like thinking through this part of whatever it is I'm working on rather than just being stressed about the thing I'm stressed about and finish this one thing and I get to stop feeling stressed. More like, hey, you know what's cool? When I'm done with this, I get to do four but probably three screen grabs of the new wisdom and I get to put that up on Twitter and I say wisdom document updates and if two people like that it makes me so happy if 10 people like it it makes me really ha- not like as in heart or, or heart as in bookmark but as in like I, I this silent uh, something already of I know some people really really like it and like have some people have found it useful and it's just nice to it's nice to make a thing that feels good to make and then on top of it all I don't know. It's like, it must be what it's like to be a good cook, you know? Not, not that I'm a good cook in this instance, but, you know, I think it sounds like me. Like, if you know me, you can see my sense of humor, or you should watch, like, for example, like, you should, and I need to change this. This is too extreme. You need to, you should uh, clean your eyeglasses at least as often as you defecate. Whether you do these at the same time is not my concern. Now, that that sounds like me, 
And it sounds like me because I'm aping a whole bunch of other people who write like that. Basically, John Hodgman. It's a very John Hodgman way to phrase something. You know, there's no, there's, there's two mentions of sports in this book, of which this is one of them. If you want more mentions of sports, may I suggest the rest of culture? <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, but no, it does feel good. But like, it's also, it's really satisfying. It feels weird to talk about this, forgive me, but it, it's really satisfying because, and honestly, I, I, honest, I can say like, you know, I'm making my peace with the past on stuff like the book project that didn't work out. It's so painful in a lot of ways, um, but it worked out however it did. But the truth is, like, this is this is the first thing in a while that's not a podcast where I feel like, not that I'm hitting on all cylinders, but where, like, I, I do enjoy doing it. Um, I enjoy having made it. There's no, There's a fairly surpassingly small number of things in life that both feel good to make and feel good to have done. Like intercourse with somebody ill-advised might feel good in the moment, but you probably won't feel good about it in an hour, let alone a month. And there are consequences and downsides of that. With this, you know, and e even like, you know, and, and one way I, I to be to be deadly honest, um, the reason I added that part at the beginning about the the Voicontrade part, the, you know, Abandon all hope you who enter here. Like the uh, Alex was like, don't why, do you, why are you including this? Like over the summer, Alex was like, you don't need to say any of this throat clearing. And I was like, I know I don't, but I'll feel more free if I do. And so if I can find a way that sounds like me to say, hey, look, I'm more like you than you think in that there's a bunch of stuff I just think is dumb in the world. And like, it's okay if you think this is dumb, but for the sake of, the, I need to write this as though the guiding principle, a phrase I learned from Adam Lissagor many years ago, maybe this is just not for you. Right. Rather than, and you know this, John. This is what we are currently ill-advisedly calling the Chicken Project on Dubai Friday. I don't have a better name for this, but I really am trying very, with great determination, to get out of the "permit me to apologize in advance" with this dependent clause phase of my life because I don't think it helps anyone. I know you know this. I don't think it helped for me to go like, listen, I realize I'm very privileged, but blah blah blah. It's like, oh no, you now you're privileged and you're just being weird and touchy. You just helped nobody with that. So I'm trying to get out of the business of there is exactly one apology in advance in this and it is heartfelt, which is I am still learning how not to be hurtful when I don't know I'm being hurtful. For example, I'm back to work today. I found myself about to talk about disordered eating and I thought about everything I've learned from a year of listening to maintenance phase where I'm learning like, oh my gosh, it's so easy to be terrible in a lot of ways I never realized before. And I'm trying to learn from that, not because I want to seem woke and get laid, but because I want to suck less. Per the wisdom document, often it's easier not to be terrible. So I'm trying to be less terrible there. But I also don't want to find like, you know, and again, this is the kind of thing I can rant to you about and to our listener, right? Okay. But like, so here's a rant. Uh, the thing I said earlier, it does drive me crazy when somebody begins, for somebody I've never spoken with in my entire life, begins something to me by saying, you forgot. Now, I understand. They're playing with me in the space, as Griffin McElroy says. They're having fun here. They're joining in. But if I do, when I try to recommend, hey, you know what? Here's three episodes of Doctor Who you might want to check out. If you absolutely hate 11th hour, you know, Maybe the show's not for you because I, I think that's a, kind of from one angle from my POV as good as the, sh as the show gets. But you might want to watch the one uh, that's on a spaceship, but it's actually a boat. It's David Tennant and there's a the girl in the fireplace. Maybe that one. But like, if you hate all of those, like, we're this is the thing that like we're just got to be ourselves, and like you're gonna have to hate that and maybe hate the fact that I hate it. But 
I can't give somebody, as you know, John, in our discussions, you don't get somebody into a TV show by telling them start at, well, you do, start at season one and watch it all the way through no matter what, even if it's Buffy. I don't do that. I won't do that. Here's an episode that I think is good. Here's an episode that's my favorite. Here's an episode that, irrespective of those two things, I think is a good place to start. It's not the best episode. It's not my favorite episode, but it's a great place to start. Well, but but you forgot the Santarian uh, Adventure of the Blood School. And it's like, no, I didn't. I, I did not forget that. I've seen Santarian of the Blood School, but no, I didn't forget it. It's just that a list needs to have an end. It needs to be short. No one gets excited about something feeling they have to consume everything. There's a reason they review records that you don't have to buy first. You read the review to decide whether you might want to check it out. So yeah, I get, I get touchy about that sometimes when people are like, oh, you forgot, you forgot, you're afraid. But even though they're playing in the space, and I understand that. The other part of that, though, is this, this sense of like, and this goes straight to The Chicken Project, which needs a better name, although it would be a good title for this episode. The Chicken Project, um, which is that, yeah, you know what? When you do those dependent clauses and you talk about how privileged you are and like, I know I should be happy, but, and you do all those things and you avoid your traumas and your pseudo traumas because you think you can protect yourself from a world that deliberately chooses to misunderstand you. He said, Morrissey, Ingley, I'm not going to do that anymore. If I'm going to say something, I'm going to say the thing. Good writing has to be, good writing has to be about something on some level and it needs to have a concision and muscularity to it. And if you start letting all of your fears and doubts seep in, that muscularity is gone at great cost and very little benefit. And so that's why I say things like, try always, and also I'm trying not to split my infinitives, try always to store something or whatever I said, store something in the first place you looked for it. Well, what well, what if I live in a small apartment because I'm poor? Uh, do something different, I guess. But like, you can't, I can't say something that makes sense for everybody because forgive my saying, I am not everybody. I'm me at this moment. And like it says in the Voy Contrade, like I, my mind is open to changing my mind about any of these. Like even like the strongest opinion I have here, I might change. That's how I got here. I got to this through eventually changing my mind. But you can't, good advice Good wisdom, if you like, but I'll just say advice. Good advice has to be about something, and it, it has to either lead you to a dawning realization you didn't know you've already had, or it needs to lead you to a desire for change in action that you never realized was evident before. And sometimes it does both. But you don't do that by going, you should smile more. That's not good advice. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It has to be, it has to have a it has to have a thrust. Wood behind the arrows, John Syracuse says. You've got to say a thing, and then people can disagree with it. You're never going to convince people not to disagree with you. But John, it is so weirdly freeing to not feel like I have to mince around on, on, on little rabbit feet, like trying not to say anything anyone would ever agree with. My God, I hope people disagree with some of this. Otherwise, it wouldn't be very interesting. I understand the chicken project from listening to it by Friday. And I think, uh, you know, that I, I agree with that sentiment, but I also agree with you that it's good to have this intro section. First of all, it's not that long. It's also just bullet points. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the second thing is some of the things in there are like, 
it puts people very in the right editorial, mindset. As, as Tim Gunn would say, very editorial. It, it puts people in the right mindset to read the rest of the items. I, I think it could be condensed and trimmed, and there's maybe a little bit of chickening that I would unbock-bock from this thing. So maybe, you know, you're, this is a work in progress. Continue to go over it. The one thing I'll add, though, to the, the category yeah. of, like, uh, setup preface stuff is I'm not sure about... Uh, I think you should come up with a policy for accreditation. The policy should either be no accreditation oh, anywhere, so in which case you say that in the intro and say, I didn't make right. up all these things. Some people do them. Or you credit all of them because some of these have credits, but some of them don't. But I know some of them are not your own thing. Uh, that's totally, that's a really good point, And I'm struggling with it. I mean, for example, several of these come from my friend, Chris Coldren, who's a dear friend of mine in college. I can't even tell you how much stuff I got from Chris Coldren. If you've ever heard me use the phrase appearance in court shirt, if you've, I mean, like, there's just so much stuff I learned from Chris. Chris is also the one who had the roommate who used uh, uh, so many towels because he got wetter than most people. Like, you know, people like people like Dennis, Dennis got part. People like uh, like Chris Coldren, people like Dana Dukovich. There are people that like have been, or Marco. I don't know where I can't tell you all of it. I might eventually find out where Marco got. It's not my fault, but it's still my problem. But that has been one of the most transformative sentences i've heard i mean that's that's a great example is because even even if you're trying to quote unquote credit it, you're just saying where you heard it from but that's not necessarily yes. where it came from like i mean that no, two, two is one one is done i heard from the military but i don't know where it actually came from i heard that from cgp gray and cgp gray heard it from the military but where did it come from in the military was it was it some general like if you actually want to credit it, you right. have to go all the way back or you could say what i'm not crediting who made this up i'm crediting where i heard it from or you could just say which i would be my suggestion is no credit at all. I just say up front, look, I didn't make up all this stuff. I'm collecting wisdom that I've learned in my life. I well, didn't... that's okay. I want to talk more about that because that would actually be be helpful for me. Because because the other part of this is that in the behind the scenes tag ish things, I don't want this to turn into a links document. Like I, you've probably heard me say this. I, I think I've probably said this to you least of all of anybody I do a podcast with. But I have a secret or not very secret desire for every podcast with, you know, all the kinds of podcasts I do anyway. Now, um, I quit all the ones that didn't do this, but, um, I want it to be a little world. Like you should be in a little world. Why is there no chapter marker here? Because we don't have an outline. I can't tell you what parts to skip. That's, that's not what we, I mean, do you skip parts of an improv show? It's going to make the end kind of suck if you weren't there for the whole thing. Like if you're not, you know, in for penny and for pound, and if you don't like it, that's fine. There's many other offerings, but I'm struggling with, in the behind the scenes stuff, I'm tr struggling with stuff like, do, do I want to track down where this came from? If some of these feel deeply, like the, I really, I would feel weird, let me put it this way, Pima Chodron, who has too many diureses in her name, in my opinion, uh, said, is the one credit it was saying, you are the sky, not the weather, or similar. Um, and I am, I'm trying to become more of a pill about quotations in general and really tracking them down. Did this person really say that? Like what page was it on? That kind of stuff. I, it would feel very, it would feel incomplete for me not to say you are the sky, not the weather, but it would also feel very, uh, dishonest for me to act like I came up with that. So how do I, given the tone of this, you're saying just leave that stuff well, out altogether. It, it seems like one of the things that you want or take to, it out if it has to be credited. One me. of the things that you seem to want to do in this document is when it is uh, like it, 
the, 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 like I said before, the premise is like, this is stuff I've learned in my life. It doesn't mean stuff that I've invented. Some of it may be stuff I've invented, but some of it's stuff that I've yeah. learned. I could have learned it from anywhere. I learned mm-hmm. it from a friend. I learned it from a parent. I learned it from a famous person. Yeah, so come into my little world and learn some right. things I learned. I learned it from a billboard that I drove past every day. I learned it from my boss. I learned it from a professor. Like, you're not saying that I you invented all these things, right? But based on what you've done, like, you know, without forethought here, is you, you have felt compelled to credit in many places the names of the people that you learned it from when there's someone who's important in your life. I see Alex C., uh, Dan uh, John, John Roderick and Pepperoni Pizza for the Table. That would be a great oversight if I didn't credit it. If I included it and didn't credit yeah, it. Well, that. well that's, that's the thing. But, you know, but you're not trying to credit like Mark Twain for the stuff you got from that. But you are crediting Dennis right. G. and Marco A., right? So I yes. think you should yes. come up with some kind of a policy and explain it up front. Okay. Because otherwise, that's a good people idea. will that's a good get, idea. you'll spend half your time Dealing with people who don't like how you've credited things, well, right? Because you know what it's going to be. I can tell you, John, it's going to be a whole surfeit of uh, you forgot. <laughs> yeah, or like you, I right. know if you realize that, but Mark Twain said that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> right, a million yes. people saying everything that you put in this document is from Mark Twain or whatever. Or actually, actually, actually it was. Uh, Mar- it was Marco didn't Churchill. make that up. Yeah. That is a, a well-known saying that you know Sun, is, Sun Tzu is, mm-hmm. is from yeah. 1918. Originally appeared. The policy. Or like, um, policy. For accreditation or not, or for yeah, sorry, because, because you're for, not okay. You're not quote investigator. Like you're not. <laughs> your whole goal no. is not to find out who is the first one who said this. That's not the point of this document, right? Yeah, so I don't. Yeah, you should definitely not do that. But it seems like you want to credit it when it's a thing you heard from like someone you went to high school with, right? Or where I can, yes, but also where I can say like there's some stuff I left out, even though it's some of the greatest wisdom I've ever heard. One I've used three times today, uh, something along the lines of Stephen Covey saying, make sure your ladder's against the right wall. That's one of the greatest things anybody has ever said in, in my pantheon. I would not put that in here because that's not my advice. That's his. Like, it's very famously, Stephen. But it's if some I wisdom said, you know, that you've learned. Like I would, So that's the other thing. If it is, uh, I mean, I'm not, not that I'm trying to write the policy for you, but when I'm thinking no, please, about it, please. I'm, I'm saying like, if it is a saying, like, if you learn, it was in the Getting Things Done book or something, right? And that's where yeah. you learn it from, and you know Begin that's where you learn it from. Mind. And that yeah. the place, if the place where you learn it from is somebody who makes money from, uh, from coming up with this insight, maybe you credit them. Like you know what I mean? Okay. Just just so it doesn't I, seem I've like got, you're trying got to learned, steal things from, get for this from project. Company. And I've got develop a policy for crediting or not crediting. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a consistent policy or like you can have like there's seven points to the policy. Here's how I decided. It's this decision tree. If it's someone I went to high school with, I credited. Right. But, but people could draw a conclusion by omission. If this isn't credited, then you, it seems like I'm claiming that I'm the sole author. Right. If it isn't credited, I'm, maybe I don't remember where I came from. Maybe I think I made it on myself. I just don't know. The point is like, okay. I am not quoteinvestigator.com. This is not a research document. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Reader's Digest. Right. I'm not. Here's I'm a not list of the things that I'm not. I mean, and honestly, in Reader's Digest, every item yeah. is credited, but it doesn't mean that the people who sent it in invented it, right? <laughs> I always heard my yeah. grandpa say that two is one, one is none. My grandpa invented right. that phrase. No, he didn't. Right. It's like you heard it from your grandpa. That's <laughs> the only thing. Bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and white. And when you put that in Reader's Digest, all you need to do for the accreditation with the Reader's Digest mm-hmm. policy is sent in by Tom B. That's all you're done. You're not saying that Tom B invented it. It's the way they handled this in um shoot, what was the one we were looking at recently? Oh, was it in Rules of Thumb? But like oh no, no, you know where it was. It was you and me. Uh it it was you and me. 
talking about the Modern Man's Guide to Life and how they would credit with uh, two initials. But it's on the list. Second on the list. Number one, get. Get. Number two, <laughs> develop a policy for these things. It, luckily, I can keep moving uh, with whatever this thing is without having to settle right. both or of those because, right now. Because but right now, that's you, a can, good, that's, it's, you yeah. can probably say right now that the policy is not going to be exhaustive credit on everything. Therefore, you can continue full speed ahead with adding items. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and also I just I do like the idea that uh, I'm sure this could drive some people crazy. I, I would argue that this is one of the things that would drive you most crazy is like when the document changes in subtle ways, like if I move something to a different area, which I do occasionally, or that maybe I've I've sharpened, dulled, or removed something. Like, oh, is that like deleting a tweet? Is that a kind of thing where we need to get screen grabs and all that kind of stuff? And it's like, well, <laughs> this grabs. is this is a draft. It'll always be a draft. And if there's something in here that I really don't like it, I'll I'll just take it out silently because that's it's not. I don't know. I mean, this is not. It's not my brand awareness document. It's a thing that's fun to make that some people will like. And like, I want to avoid anything that makes me take this seriously in a way that. I don't mind taking it seriously in ways that are light and generative. What I don't want to do, I've had enough projects in my life that I had to stop being light and gener generative about. I don't need another one at this juncture. So I like, I like the things that make me want to like keep it light and fun and make me feel like well, some of the recent ones, there's a couple funny ones. And then I get a little serious sometimes, which I, which I don't hate. Uh, you know, this is one that gets me in trouble a lot. Make time to write the thank you note before you open the present. Because then I end up, you know, I don't like opening things. <laughs> you know Tony Stark likes to say, he always says I don't you know, like being handed things I don't mm -hmm. know if I ever mentioned this to you I don't like I don't like opening things it makes me feel bad I, I haven't even opened my cat's body yet 